Amen. If you will take your copy of God's Word and please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we know this as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. We are in a series of messages that I've entitled Stewardship, and we are looking over uh, six weeks' time at the stewardship of the Bible. We, we've talked last week, we started last week, we, we looked at the stewardship of the gospel. And we said that this idea of stewardship, there's three main categories in all of Scripture that involve stewardship. What is a steward? A steward is a man or a woman, a student or a child who has received something that they did not earn. You receive something that you did not earn, and now the challenge is, is to be a wise steward, a, a good steward, a, a, a steward, a, a, a person, a man, a woman, a, a student, a child who, who takes what has been given and then multiply it and use it for the kingdom of God. And so we're called to be stewards, and there's three areas of life that we're called to be stewards over. The first is the gospel. We are to be, we're called to be stewards of the gospel. We looked at this last week. We're going to look at it again this week. The idea of stewardship of the gospel. You didn't do anything to be saved, did you? You didn't hang on that tree. You didn't give up your life for, for your sins. Jesus did it all for you. The gospel message, 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel, Paul says, I, I delivered unto you that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. The gospel message. And we are told in God's word, straight out of God's word, that we are stewards of the gospel. We're stewards of this message. And then we're going to look at the stewardship of finances. And I'm not going to tell you what week I'm talking about money because you won't show up. I know you won't. But one of these weeks, and that doesn't mean that you get a break for five weeks, right? You have to show up, you have to come. But one of these weeks, one, two of these weeks, we're going to talk about the stewardship of finances. God has given to us the finances and the resources, and, and we are told to be stewards of that and how we are to be stewards of that, how we can make wise investments in this life. And then, of course, the stewardship of life, the stewardship of service. God has given to us great and mighty and wonderful gifts that he has placed in us, gifts of, of of, of mercy and gifts of, of evangelism and gift of, of, of all these gifts that he has given to us. And we use these gifts for his glory. And we are to be stewards of these gifts. Today's message is entitled, The Gospel of Discipleship. How we are to be a steward of the gospel of discipleship. A family was on their way home from church and they were talking in the car. The dad was a little upset. He said, you know, the sermon was way too long today. The mom, she chimed in and she said, you know, the, the music was too loud. The sister, she, she jumped in. She is a, a, a student at a college. She majors in music. She thinks she knows everything about music. And she said, yeah, the, the lead soloist today, she was off tune. She was out of key. Grandma thought she would say something. She said, you know, we sat so far in the back, I couldn't hear anything. Little boy, the little Billy, he, he, the, the, the youngest son, he, he's now picking up on what's going on in the car. He said, well... I couldn't see anything because the lady in church was wearing a big hat. Then he said, but you know what, Dad? I have to admit it was a pretty good show for only a nickel. <laughs> now, for many people, unfortunately, church is about the show. It's about the songs we sing. Do we sing your favorite songs? Did we, did we hear a sermon that, that made me feel good? Did did I meet the people I wanted to meet? Is it good for my business to, to network among the church? It's all about being a spectator. 
entertainment. But when we get serious about following Jesus Christ, our attitude towards the church completely changes. And we discover, we discover that the church is all about giving ourselves, giving our time, giving our talents, giving our treasure to the service of the king. And without apology, I want to say without fear of contradiction, that the greatest investment of our life is to give ourselves following Jesus Christ and serving him in and through the church. I repeat this. I pray that I never go back on this statement because I say this without apology. The greatest investment of my life and the greatest investment of your life is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve him with all of our hearts through his church. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing is more significant than that. This worldwide enterprise called the gospel, his church. It reaches reaches across the streets. It it reaches across the states. It it reaches across the seas. I was saved at the age of 17. I am 34 now, 34 and a half. I've, I've actually been saved now longer in my life than I was lost. And I love that. I love the fact that I can say I have for for over half of my life, I have known the Lord. I love being able to say that now. I couldn't say that until, until here recently. When I was a child and my parents would, my mom would take us to church when we went to church, I hated church. It was boring. I tried any way possible to get out of going to church. I, I tried everything. I when, when I knew mom was going to make us go to church, I, I tried to act like when she came in to wake me up on Sunday morning, I was still asleep. I, I tried to hide under my bed. I hid in the closet. One day she caught me trying to climb out the window. I, I hated church. I hated church. It's because I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a part of the church. But when I came to know Christ as my Savior and Lord, when, when he saved me, my heart for the church changed. And I developed very quickly a love for the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love this church, Aloma Church. My heart beats for Aloma Church. I live and I breathe its ministry. I think about this church constantly. I I pray for this church regularly. I'm passionate about the people of this church. I want to see this church do great and mighty things. I pour my life out, and and until I breathe my last breath or when Jesus returns again, I want to be a part of a church that is doing the Lord's work. And when we discover, when we discover Christ, that the joy of serving him, the church becomes contagious. It becomes addictive. You, you, you come in and you, you give and you give and you give and you give and it's not that you're receiving anything. You're not giving in order to receive, but you're pouring out based of, out of the love of your heart that you have for God's church. So for me and for many others here, you've discovered the truth about the church. It's not about the show. It's not about whether or not we sing the songs you like. It's not about whether or not the, the preacher stepped on your toes or you heard a, 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 something else. The important thing is that it's our way of life. It's our way of life. 
It's not about an institution. It's about the people who serve and follow Jesus Christ. What is the church to do and to be? What is a Loma church? What did God create a Loma church to do and to be? He created us unique. He created us in history for such a time as this. Why did God put us right here on 1815 State Road 436 in Winter Park, Florida? Why did he put us right here for such a time as this? Why did he put us in a group and a sea of people? Over 250,000 people within five miles of this congregation. God has placed our church strategically, placed Aloma Church here at this place for such a time as this. So what's our purpose? Well, Jesus told us what our purpose was in Matthew chapter 28. You know it as the Great Commission. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Matthew chapter 28. We'll begin reading in verse number 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for this word. Now, God, I pray that you will speak to us from it. Father, that we will open our hearts and open our minds. And Father, that you will speak into our life your word, that we may be changed by hearing your word this day. We ask this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, please be seated. This is living faith from generation to generation. This is living as a steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we've been called by faith to do. Always with all authority until the end of the age, from generation to generation. As Christians, we're involved in the greatest adventure of life. It's the adventure of faith. He said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given unto me. As our risen Savior, as, as our risen Redeemer, He has given us power to accomplish His purpose on this earth. Now, Aloma, we possess a, a tremendous sense of purpose. We are together, we are working together to accomplish mutually agreed upon goals. We have a God given mission and a God given passion. Our mission statement is right here behind the choir loft, it's here every Sunday that we center ourselves on Jesus doing whatever it takes for people to experience life change. That's our vision. That's our mission. Our mission is to do whatever it takes for people to experience life change. If life change means salvation, then we want to do whatever we can for people to be saved. If life change for somebody means to be discipled and grow in the Lord, then that's what we want to do. We want to disciple and grow them in the Lord. Whatever we can do for people to experience life change in Jesus Christ, that's what we want to do. And then the seven passion points, that's how we do it. That's how we accomplish this vision, this, this, this mission. We've been given a God-sized mission. He's placed us in a massive mission field. Right here in Metro Orlando. As I said, five miles of this church, five miles in any direction you walk, within this circumference, 250,000 people. The majority of them are lost. Over 200,000 of statistics hold true. Over 200,000 of them don't know Christ. If you expand that five miles to 10 miles, now we're talking a million people. 
We're talking children, we're talking students, we're talking college kids, we're talking young adults, we're talking media adults, we're talking senior adults, we're talking a million people. How do you wrap your mind around a million people within 10 miles of a location? I can't do it, but I know this, that God has placed this church here not to just twiddle our thumbs and just to do church, but God has placed a Loma church here for a strategic time to reach those million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That must be our heart. That must be our passion. That must be what motivates us. A God-given mission and passion. Recently, I asked this congregation to take a survey. Remember taking that survey? I was asking you if whether or not we should, we're praying about changing the time a little earlier and a little later. And the results of that survey overwhelmingly are in favor of a time change. But let me say this, that we are still praying about that decision. We're still praying about what to do. The reason why is because we want to make sure that this is the direction that God would have us to go. So I'm praying and fasting about this. I'm praying and fasting about it. You say, Pastor, are you seriously praying and fasting about whether or not to move a service 15 minutes earlier or later? Are you seriously telling me you're praying and fasting about that? Yes, I am. Yes, I am, and here's why. Because I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what God is wanting us to do. You know, for so many times in our life and so many moments of our life, we live life for ourselves and we don't live life for God. And I don't want to do what I want to do. I've done that before in life and it doesn't pay off. I want to do and I want to get in what God is wanting us to do and I want to get in what God is in and then he will bless. Whatever decision's made, the decision is going to be made whichever time frame that we can maximize and we believe that we can reach the number, uh, a maximum number of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that's the decision that we're going to make. That's what we're going to do. And I know with change, if we decide to change times, it's going to make a few people unhappy. If we don't change times, here's the quandary that I'm in. If we change the times, it's going to make a few people unhappy. If we don't change the times, it's also going to make a few people unhappy. You see the quandary that we're in? Here's the point. The goal is not to make people unhappy. That's not the goal. But whenever change comes, not everybody is going to agree with everything that is done, but our ultimate goal is not to please people, but to please God. Not to please people, but to please God. And we begin to put this in perspective. If, if, if changing the time means that we can reach more people with the gospel, then why would we not want to get out of bed 10 minutes earlier than what we normally do? If that means that that's what God wants us to do, then that's what we should do. And whatever decision we believe that we hear from God, his vision, his direction, we follow that for a Loma. Understand this. I, I don't want my vision for this church. You want to know how to make the church crash and burn? Let me give the vision for this church. That's why I asked the congregation for your opinion. I wanted to know what, what, what you feel, what you think. And, but let me also say this. You know another way to make this church crash and burn? Just do whatever pleases everybody. We... We can't be about trying to do what I want to do. 
We have to be about what God wants to do. I again say that over 98, 95%, I believe it was, of people in the church said, yeah, let's do it. Let's change the time. That's fine. God's vision and direction. It's God's vision that we want, amen? It's God's direction we want, amen? And if we do change the time, then we need to buy into the vision. If we keep the time as it is, we need to buy into the vision. Whatever decision it is, we're not seeking uniformity, but we're seeking unity. We're not seeking uniformity, but we're seeking unity. Can I tell you that within the churches that, that, that I've been, I've seen, I've seen a lot of churches, this church is unique. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Aloma Church is unique. We don't have squabbles about people complaining that the color of the carpet's blue and they want it red. We just don't have that here. And so I commend you, Aloma Church, for saying, you know what? It may not be my preference. Blue may not be my preference. I would rather have Tennessee orange carpet in this church. I didn't get the color of carpet, but I did get our wristbands for trunk or treat orange, so. It may not be my preference, but you know what? The color of the carpet really doesn't matter if we're all about winning souls to Jesus Christ. A few minutes earlier, a few minutes later, it doesn't really matter if that means that that's going to maximize the ability to win people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people what? There are many churches perishing today because they've lost sight of Christ and they've lost sight of the vision. They, they, they go around trying to, to please everybody. And listen, you can't please everybody. You can't even please yourself. I cannot always be happy. There are times in life when we have to follow the vision and the mission that he has given to us. T.B. Maston, the great Baptist ethic professor, said this. I love this. This is a great quote. He said, the Christians who have changed the world have been men and women with a vision in their heart and a Bible in their hands. I like that. A vision in their heart given by God and a Bible in their hands. You know, the easiest way to kill this church is to follow me and to do, and, and, and for us to follow me and to follow a man. The way we see this church succeed the way we see this church grow, the way we see this church to fulfill her promise and her mission and her passion given to God is not to follow a man, but to follow God, to follow Christ, to follow his vision, to follow his passion, to follow his mission. The church, does, the church belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. I had to learn that the hard way as a young preacher boy. I thought the whole world revolved around me. This is my church. This is my ministry. This is my staff. These are my deacons. You do what I say. I'm the preacher. I'm the pastor. You know what happened? Boom. Crash and burn. I learned it the hard way. This is not my church. This is not my staff. These men are not my deacons. This is the Lord's church. This is the Lord's staff. These are the Lord's deacons. 
Now, yes, I belong to this church. I love this church. I've already established that. There's no question that I love this church. There's no question that you love this church. But listen, the church does not belong to us. This is not my church. This is not your church. We don't own it. Remember, we're only stewards of it. If we owned it, if we controlled it, it's going to crash and burn. But God has given to us this gift called Aloma Church. And this is a wonderful gift. This church is unlike any church I have ever been in in my life. A church that loves Jesus, a church that has passion for souls, a a church that is unified and they hold unity above anything and everything else. We have to be about the vision and the mission He sent his spirit to the church to indwell us, to empower us. We understand that this is not my church, this is his church. He has given it to us to be stewards. Remember the idea of stewardship? It's something that we don't own, but it's something that's been gifted to us. And how we work and what we do with what has been given to us will be how we are rewarded in the next life. He's given to us this great and mighty and this wonderful, this precious gift of Aloma Church. His message and his mission is is given to us clearly right here in Scripture. He says in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them in the name of the Father, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Now all of that that I've just said is our introduction to the sermon. Now let's get into the main points, Okay. There's three things, and we'll do these very quickly. Three things I believe we see from God's word. Three verbs out of Matthew 28. You can circle them. It's going, baptizing, and teaching. You want to know the mission of a lone church should be? You know what the vision of a lone church should be? It's encompassed in those three words. Go, baptize, and teach. That's the main verbs of this passage. They're, they're present act of participles. That means it's, a, it, it's an event that happens in a, a time and space, and then it continues on, and it's to continue on and never to stop, to go, to baptize, and to teach. So point number one, what is the first mission? What is this stewardship of the gospel that has been given to us as a Loma church? Number one is to go, that is to make disciples. Make disciples. Go, therefore, make disciples, he says, of all nations. That is to make disciples, preaching and and teaching Jesus Christ, his gospel to make believers. The church is is comprised of people who believe. We are a regenerated church membership. the, The people who are members of the church, this local body, are people who have professed Christ. They've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've come together and we are comprised of people who know Christ. We are ambassadors of the King, stewards of the gospel, sharing our faith. It's the same mission of Jesus Christ who who came to earth to seek and to save that which is lost. Remember last week, we talked about the stewardship of the gospel. And I asked you what was in the beginning of your Bible. Some of you got it wrong. You said Genesis. I asked you what was at the end of your Bible. And remember what you said, you got it wrong. You said Revelation. Actually, what's at the beginning of your Bible is blank pages. What's at the end of your Bible, more blank pages. I asked you, I challenged you to go home and in those blank pages to write down names of people that you know who are lost. 
and begin to pray for them, daily praying for these people, praying that God will save them and, and lifting them up to the Lord. And I said, if you don't know any lost people, go out and meet some lost people. I received emails, text messages, phone calls, people coming up to the office saying, Pastor, you're not going to believe what God did. I left church and I went to a restaurant and I began, I, I asked that person, simply asked the hostess, do you know Jesus Christ, the Savior? I asked my, I asked my server, do you know Jesus Christ? I asked the person checking me out at Publix, do you know Jesus Christ? And can I tell you that it sparked a conversation? Some of them knew Christ. A lot of them didn't know Christ, but it allowed us to have a conversation that centered around Jesus. Don't let this, listen church, don't let this just be a one-time event just because you felt convicted and you needed to go do it to say, okay, preacher, I did what you told me to do. Don't let this just be a one-time event, but allow this to become a lifestyle, a lifestyle of going out and, and talking about Jesus. Again, we are stewards of the gospel. He's given us the gospel, and we are to be stewards of it. And how we are stewards of it is how he is going to bless us. Jesus gathered his disciples in a room. He breathed on them. He breathed the Holy Spirit on him. And he said in John 20, 21, as my father has sent me, so I send you. We call this the great commission, but you can put a hyphen right after that C-O because it's also a great co-mission. You're not on this mission alone. It's not a single mission. It's not a solo mission, but, but you are on a co-mission. It's, it's a partnership with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a partnership with the gospel of the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the things I learned when I, when I first began to share my faith, I would share my faith with someone and they would, they would reject what I was sharing. They would make fun of me or they would turn their back on me. They wouldn't receive what I was saying. And I got so down. I got so frustrated. I, I became mad at myself. I, I began to say, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? What, what in the world just took place? What happened? And, and it made me to shrink into my own little ball. And, and I began to stop sharing my faith because I was afraid that I would offend people. Or I was afraid to get made fun of, or I was afraid of rejection. I realized all of a sudden though, that when they, when I share the gospel and I present the gospel, when a person rejects that, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting the gospel. They're not rejecting my message, it's not my message. They're rejecting the message that we were told to share. You see, again, this is, the gospel's not mine, I'm just simply a steward, so I go and I share. It's a co-mission. It's not me that saves anybody. I don't save, I don't have the power to save a person, a soul. I, I cannot save you. No man, no woman, no individual can save you. Only God you see, salvation, that's God's business. God is the one who holds the keys. God is the one who, who speaks into lives and, and saves. We're told to just simply go. We're told to be ambassadors. And he said that if you go, I will send my spirit with you. Wherever you go, you will not be alone. This is not a solo mission. This is a co-mission. This is coming together with the gospel of Christ and the spirit of God will speak through you. When you begin to share your faith, when you begin to share your faith, you say, I don't know a lot of scriptures. It's okay. The Spirit of God's going to speak through you. Share your testimony. You say, well, I don't have a powerful testimony. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, go online and listen to the message. Because every testimony, if you come to know Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a child or if you're an old adult. It doesn't matter if you, if you were a drug addict and an alcoholic or if you had never done any of those things. When you come to faith in Christ, your testimony is powerful. 
And God will speak through you through the power of the Holy Spirit through that testimony and he will win people to Christ or you'll be planting seeds. One way or the other, we go and we do. We make believers one day, one day, ladies and gentlemen of Aloma, one day we are going to give an account of what we've done to take care of this responsibility. Every steward must have a day of reckoning. When the owner comes back, when the owner comes home, when we stand before the owner and he says, what did you do with that great and mighty and powerful gift that I have given to you? That's the day of reckoning. That's when we stand before God, not at the great white throne judgment, that's for unbelievers, but at the, at the, the mercy seat of Christ. When we stand before Christ, we will have to give an account for the stewardship of our life, the stewardship, yes, of this church, the stewardship of the gospel. What did you do with the gospel? Five times in the New Testament, Jesus gives us this great commission. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, also in the book of Acts, is found over and over and over again. And listen, this is not a mere religious duty. This is our privilege to partner with God to do what he's called us to do, to to bring people into his family? If you had a cure for cancer, would you hide it in your pocket or would you take it and share it with the world? You have something far greater than a cure for cancer. It's the cure for sin. It's the gospel message. And so often we we hide it in our pocket. We don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to, for whatever reason, But we have the greatest message, and it's the message to make those things that which are dead to come alive. It may not not heal the cancer, but it will give an ultimate healing when that person steps into heaven. Amen? The gospel of Christ. We know what it means to be forgiven and how people can have a new life in Christ. We have the greatest good news the world has ever known. I believe this with every ounce and every fiber of my being. As long as there is one person who is alive, one person who is within our church grounds, one person who is alive who doesn't know Jesus Christ, it is our mission. It is our, it must be our passion. We must make it our priority to go out and to reach that one, that one with the gospel of Jesus. Go out and make disciples. Do I have any former Boy Scouts here? It's okay if you're a Boy Scout, raise your hand. It's okay. It's not a bad thing. I couldn't be a Boy Scout. I couldn't tie knots when I was a kid. I, I used Velcro on my shoes until I was a senior in high school, so I couldn't tie a knot. I'm from Tennessee. I didn't even wear shoes, so that was a joke. You know it was a joke. <laughs> the, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 54, too, he said, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. My Boy Scouts here, you know, if you're going to expand your tent, If you're going to expand your tent, if you're going to lengthen your cords, what must you do to hold that tent in place? Do you put your stakes down the same distance as it was when it was a smaller tent? No. If you lengthen the cords, you must also strengthen the stakes. That's what Isaiah says. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes, and that's what we want to do here at Aloma. This goes into discipleship, and we'll talk about discipleship in just a moment, but we want to be a church for all nations. We want to be a church that reaches people with the gospel. We want to have a, a, a very large front door. We want people coming in. We want people to hear the gospel. We want to, to see people saved, but we also want to make sure that people are being discipled. As we, as we grow wider, we also have a desire to grow deeper. 
As we grow wider and we see lost people saved, we must also grow deeper and we must also strengthen our stakes. As we share this life-forgiving message that Jesus saves, we also must be challenged as Christians. We must also be discipled as Christians. We'll talk about the discipleship aspect in just a moment, but I want to talk about lengthening the cords. Here's a statement that is so true. Aloma Church exists for people who are not here yet. Think about that. Aloma Church exists for people who are not here yet. I was surprised when I asked this the first service, and I'll, I'll ask it here in this service. If you've come to Aloma Church and you've been here, you're attending or you're a member here, by a show of hands, how many of you have been here five years or less? Raise your hand. Five years or less. How many of you have been here 10 years to six years, a decade to six years? How many of you have been here 11 years or more? You know what I just saw? I saw in this service the same thing I saw in the first service. The majority, the majority of the people who come to Aloma Church have been here for less than 10 years. Aloma Church exists for people who are not here yet. If we're going to be and we're going to do and we're going to accomplish great things for the Lord, we must have this mentality that we exist. Yes, we disciple our our. our our, our, our members. Yes, we fellowship. Yes, we serve each other. Yes, we do those things. But our passion, our motivation, we, our mindset must be that we exist for people who are not here yet. For those of you who have been here for 10 years or less, aren't you glad that the, the mindset of Aloma? And listen, this isn't just something that I'm preaching. This isn't some formula that, that I've concocted. You understand that, that, that the idea of Aloma Church existing for people who are not here yet, that is the same mission and values that my predecessor, Anthony George, had. I've heard him preach sermons. I've heard him say something along those lines. So that takes us up to 17 years ago that this church has heard this message. And I know Brother Joe. And Brother Joe, who, our pastor emeritus, who, who pastored this church for 30 years, that was his message. For those of you who have been here and you were, and, and Brother Joe was your pastor, you've heard him say, maybe not in these words, but we exist not for us, but we exist for people outside. This is not a new concept. This is not a new concept, but it's so easy for us to get inwardly focused, isn't it? It's so easy for us to come in and get comfortable in our pews and, and get inwardly focused, but we must remember that we are stewards of the gospel and we exist for people who are not here yet. To go into the world, listen, to go into the world, in order to go into the world, you gotta get out of the church. In, in order to go in the world and see lost people, we can't do that here. It, it's a misnomer to think that we can do church the way we did it in the 70s and 80s and 90s. In the 70s and 80s and 90s, people still had a religious bent. They, they came to church because it was ingrained in them. It was a generational thing. People my age don't just show up to church anymore because they think it's the right thing to do. People my age in Central Florida have never heard of Jesus Christ before. 
It blows my mind when I talk to 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and even 40-year-olds right here in Orlando, Florida, who I, I share the gospel with. And they, they look at me with this confused look when I talk about the Bible or I talk about Jesus and I talk about him dying for their sins. They look at me and they say, who is Jesus? And they're not joking. So we can't think that just because if we build it, they will come. It doesn't work that way anymore. For us to see lost people saved, in order for us to fulfill our mission and our passion, we've got to get out of the church and into the world. That doesn't mean that we become worldly. Preacher said, I could go live like the world. That's not what I said. You maintain your values, but you go into the world. I'm out of time, and I've still got two more points, so quickly. Let's focus in here. I'm talking to myself. Baptize. Number one, we go and make disciples. Number two, we baptize. So we go and we go, that's making disciples, baptizing, that's marking disciples. Marking disciples. You say, why in the world would he tell us to baptize? Right here in the Great Commission, we're told to go and we're told uh, to, 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 to teach. Why does he talk about baptism here? Why, why, is, why is he talking about this? The reason why is because it's not simply just enough for people uh, to believe, but they also must belong. In order to join along with church, you have to be baptized by immersion following your salvation. Every person who's a member of this church has been baptized by immersion following their salvation in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It, it allows us to belong. You belong to the big church, the church big C, God's church, the, the body of Christ when you come to faith in Christ. But, but I, I hear this so often. People say, well, I don't need to go to church. I am the church. I can have church at home. No, you can't. And we'll talk about that in, in a few weeks. You can't do that because it, 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 there, there's something there, there. It's biblical to belong. And so baptism is, is belonging. It signifies one of the most important aspects of the church, belonging, belonging to the family of God, belonging to the family of faith. Baptism doesn't wash one single sin away. But because we, we have this desire to belong, because the Christian faith is not a solo act, baptism is a symbol of our faith. When a person is baptized, they, they signify the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It's a symbolic of the gospel. So a person is baptized is a sign, it's a seal, it's a symbol of death. And we put on display what has already taken place in our heart. Number three, we are to teach them. That's maturing disciples. So we're to go, that's making disciples. We are to baptize, that's marking disciples. And then we are to teach, that's maturing disciples. Where to go and to teach. I want you to turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Where to reach. Colossians chapter 1. And talking about what the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah said that we are to lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes. Lengthen our cords, that's evangelism. Strengthen the stakes, that's discipleship. Lengthening the cords is growing broad. Strengthening the stakes is going down. I want us to see something here in Colossians 1.24. Notice what he says. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. One Sunday we'll deal with this passage. This is one of the hardest verses in all the Bible to understand. And we'll, we'll come back here, so I don't mean to skip over. We just don't have time to deal with this verse today. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. Underline that in your Bible. You see that? He said, I have become a steward of God. I've received the stewardship of God. 
that has been given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. You see that? So what has Paul been made a steward? He's been given the stewardship of God in order to make the word of God, what? Fully known. The mystery, that's the church, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Again, when Paul writes in those epistles of the mysteries referring to the church of Jesus Christ, that comes very clear as we read this. He's talking about the church. Him, verse 28, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. For this, he says, I toil. That word toil there means, means exasperation. It's the idea of a sporting event. Your, your team is down by six points and you're driving down the field and, and you've got just a few ticks on the clock left. What are you going to do? If you're a football player, you're going to leave everything out on the field. You heard that expression before. You leave it out on the field. You don't bring anything back. This is the idea of toiling. This is the idea of putting everything into this. I'm going to put everything I've got into this. So he says, I'm putting everything into my life. I'm putting everything into ministry. Why? For what? He says, I, because of the stewardship, the stewardship that I've been giving, I've been given the stewardship of the gospel. I've been given the stewardship of the gospel and my whole, the, 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 what I am supposed to do is to make the word of God fully known. You see that there? You see that? Once a person decides to believe and is baptized, we can't just leave them there. That, that, that's, that's, just, that's just giving them the, the bacon without the eggs. That's giving them the ham without the cheese. Yeah, they're going to go to heaven, but, but what good are they if, if they're saved and they're baptized, but they're not being discipled? Discipleship involves evangelism, but it also must take us growing deeper into the word. You see, we are called. We are called as a church. Paul tells us here in Colossians, we have the stewardship of the gospel, and it expands past just us sharing our faith. It must also go into strengthening our stakes. Discipleship. There's no debate as to what we are to do. We're to reach people and teach people. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is weak today. We're weak. The five foundations of the church, evangelism, discipleship, worship, fellowship, service. The majority of churches focus in on only one of those five foundations. If we're going to be a strong church, we must, we must exemplify all five, encouraging and challenging us to build all five but churches are no longer standing on the inerrant and fallible word of God. Most of your churches are either focused on winning lost people or they're focused on uh, ministering to those that are already in their walls. Very few churches are trying to do both and. And that doesn't make any sense, does it? You go back and you read the Great Commission, we're told to do both and. We've got churches today with preacherettes preaching sermonettes, and you know what we get? Christianettes. They don't present the whole gospel. It's the task of the church to build believers, to train them, and then to send them out. The church, that's our vision. Aloma, that's what we have to be about. God is using Aloma Church. God is using us in powerful ways, amazing ways. I cannot describe you to my friends. My friends say, Tell me about your church. Tell me about the church you pastor. Tell me about Aloma. You know what I say? Our church is indescribable in a good way, in a good way. But 
we're indescribable. How do you describe a church? In, 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 in church culture and church world, most churches, and when I say most churches, I'm talking 90% or more churches have problems within them. And yes, we have problems. We're not a perfect church. But churches that, that, that are complaining about the color of the carpet, churches that are, are complaining about this or that, and they're, they're not unified. I can't describe this. You know why this is? Do you know, do you know why we get along so well? Because we love each other. We don't have a family over here that hates a family over here. We don't have divided people who, who everybody in our church, we, we love one another. There's a tremendous amount of love in this place. And you listen to this. Where love is, you can't keep people out. You can lock the doors, you can bar the windows, but if there's love in the place, people will find a way to get in. People need Jesus, church. So I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray by faith. You say, what's the difference between praying and praying by faith? Praying by faith is the way we should be praying. It's it's praying and believing that what we're praying for, that God is going to deliver in accordance with his will. We know it's God's will to save the lost, don't we? We don't have to wonder, does God want this? Does God really want this person to be saved? Of course he does. So we know that it's God's will for that. So we need to be praying by faith that that we will be able to see what God has placed in our hands. I want you to pray and envision lives changed. Imagine more and more and more people being taught the word of God and equipped for life. I want you to imagine little boys and girls coming to Jesus and sitting in his lap and learning of him. Aloma, there, God, I don't know why God has chosen us. I have no idea why God has chosen us. I can tell you this, it's not based upon my goodness. It's not. My goodness is it's filthy rags. But when I look and see what's happening at Aloma Church, a handful of people giving their life to the Lord last week, just this week, four or five people giving their life to the Lord this past Sunday. And then on fall festival, we have, I don't know how many children giving their life to the Lord. Those were my bookends of the week. I've been coasting. I've been excited going through all of this. I don't know why God has shown his favor among us. I don't know why God has chosen to rest himself and to look upon us. We've got kindergarten classes that are burgeoning at the seams. We don't have rooms large enough for our, our, our children's classes. We have so many babies that are coming in the nursery now. We need, we're trying to get more volunteers to hold babies. You say, well, that's because you, you young people, you keep having babies or something in the water. <laughs> but you know what? There's something here at this church that's attracting young people to have the babies to fill the nursery, to have the need for some of you to come and hold babies. Please, are you hearing me? I need some people to hold babies. My little Elijah needs, needs a grandmother to hold him right now in the nursery. We need more ladies volunteering. There are churches up and down 436 that have not seen a baby in their nursery in years, decades. We've got... If they all, if everybody showed up, 12, 13, in the nursery. 
mind-blowing. Why? Why, God? Why? What, what, what? We can ask why all we want to. We're never going to get the answer, and that's the wrong question. Why is not the right question. In fact, we don't need to be asking questions. Church, we need to just bask in the fact that God has chosen to put his hand upon this congregation. God has decided to bless Aloma Church in the way that he's blessing us right now. And far be it from us for us to take this for granted. Far be it from us to say, oh, well, we've got all these young people. They're going to fill the nursery. Why do we need to go out and share our faith? Why do we need to disciple? We've got all this taken care of. Just let the preacher do it. Just let the deacons do it. Just let the staff do it. No. Listen. God is doing something. God is up to something. We are living in the last days. If you don't believe that, come on Wednesday night as we look at the book of Revelation. The hair on the back of my neck is still standing up from what we looked at this past Wednesday night. We're living in the last days, and the prophet Joel tells us that in the last days, God's going to pour his spirit. There's going to be a great revival that happens in these last days. And as I've been praying and fasting for this church, I've been praying and fasting for you. I've been praying and fasting for for what God is is doing here in our midst. I see us standing. I see us standing at the cusp. We're standing. And if we will just simply take that step of faith, if we will take that step of faith and trust God at his word, if we will simply do what he's told us to do, if we will be faithful stewards of his word, if we will take the gospel and we don't worry about somebody making fun of us or somebody rejecting us, but we just take this message that's not ours to begin with and we're faithful stewards and we go and share it, you step back and you watch because God is going to take our church to places we've never dreamt before.